Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Sugar Freedom Show. I am Catherine Gordon, your host for today, talking about getting off of sugar and staying off of sugar and also all subjects on health and fitness. So, one of the most important questions that people ask me, my readers and my clients, here it is, is it all right to cheat? So, once you get off sugar, is it all right every once in a while to have some sugar? And of course, as with so many things, the answer is, it all depends. By the way, I am a little bit late coming on today. The internet was down briefly, but now it's back up. And I do want to give the call-in number. The guest call-in number is 347-850-1979. So that's 347-850-1979, because I am going to be live for the next 15 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. So that's a very important question, and the answer is this. If you're like me and you truly respond to sugar and the foods that break down into sugar the way an addict responds to an addictive substance, then no, the goal is one day at a time not to cheat, stay off of the sugar and the foods that turn into sugar so that the cravings get less and less and less as time goes on. However, not everyone is addicted to sugar. So this is an interesting thought. There are a number of people in the nutrition and fitness world who argue quite strongly against the idea that sugar addiction or food addiction exists. One of the arguments that they use is is that food is necessary for life, and of course it is, and they say, how can you be addicted to a substance that's necessary? And I think that's a very interesting thought. But the reality is, is of course I eat, and I have to keep eating. And I eat protein, fats, and carbohydrates. However, I eat fewer carbohydrates than average individuals do, and those carbohydrates come from above-ground, non-starchy vegetables. So I am eliminating the substances that trigger my addictive behavior, but I am still eating food. And someone once said to me, you could, you could equate it with the idea that the alcoholic still drinks. They just don't drink alcohol. So, for example, you would go ahead and drink water and coffee and tea and things like that. You just simply don't drink intoxicating, vegeta- ve- excuse me, intoxicating beverages. And in the same way, I don't eat intoxicating foods. So what I'd like you to do today is stop and think, do you have intoxicating foods? Are there foods in your lifestyle and on your menu that cause intoxicated behavior? In other words, are there foods that when you eat them, you lose control? One of the most interesting examples for me is, I mean, quite obviously, if I was to eat um, a donut, for example, loss of control would happen pretty quickly. The same with, you know, toaster waffle with maple syrup on it. But what's also very interesting for me, and this also demonstrates the severity of my sensitivity to sugar and starchy carbohydrates, is that if I eat a banana, I am off to the races. And it looks something like this. I'm in the kitchen. I'm hungry. Maybe I'm not feeling well. Um, I haven't committed my food for the day. And I'm thinking huh, maybe it would be okay for me to eat a banana because, you know, a banana is a fruit and fruit is healthy. And so that part of my brain, that part of my mind decides to go ahead and pick up and eat that banana. And invariably, inevitably, this is what happens. 
the banana leads to the peanut butter, which leads to the waffles, which leads to the ice cream, and then that leads me to the store, and I'm off literally on a serious binge. And I'd like to take a moment now to really connect with the seriousness of what that means for me. Because my compulsive eating started when I was only around six years old, when you eat sugar compulsively and the foods that break down into glucose compulsively, what we're looking at is that I have had these high surges in my blood sugar and in my blood glucose over a matter of years. And there is more and more research looking at, and uh, I do want to mention that currently I am reading Gary Taub's latest book, The Case Against Sugar, and the opening chapters, which that's where I am, looks at the connection between sugar and diabetes, especially diabetes type 2, and the surge in the prevalence of that over the last century, the last century or more. And if you look at my pattern of compulsive overeating of sugar and the foods that break down to sugar, what I see is that as time has gone by, I have become more sensitive to carbohydrates and I've begun to experience um, some of the physical impacts of eating too much sugar for, for many years. So, for example, in the wintertime, starting to have numbness in the tips of my fingers and toes, sometimes the itching, the tingling. There's a wonderful book uh, called Sugar Crush that uh, you can look up on Amazon that also talks about these long-term effects of sugar. And the reality is is that high blood sugar levels are toxic um, to the body over time. And what we're looking at is an attack on the little capillaries in the fingertips and in the toes. And very often the first place that you see difficulties from long-term high blood sugar is also in eyesight. And then one more thing I will mention about my personal experience is that when I was pregnant in my um, mid-30s, I did uh, test positive for gestational diabetes briefly. I went back in, they retested me, and I was able to clear the sugar. But fascinatingly enough, the most recent research is showing that women who do get diagnosed with gestational diabetes have a very, 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 very high incidence of developing type 2 diabetes down the road. So I do test my blood sugar regularly, and I am very, very careful about keeping sugar and the foods that break down into sugar very low in my diet. So let's lead back around to the question from my readers and clients. Do I have to give up sugar permanently, and is it okay for me to cheat? So my answer is is that if you react to sugar and the foods that break down into sugar compulsively, if those foods give you an addictive hit, then I would say that your best action is going to be to leave the sugar out entirely. And one of the reasons why, and this isn't just simply my experience, also my readers and clients report this as well, that the farther away that last addictive bite is, that with every day you get beyond that behavior, staying off of sugar and staying off of the grains and the starchy carbs gets easier and easier and easier. I'll give you an example. I went to a wonderful uh, holiday party, Christmas party, this season, and I brought um, sugar freedom food. I brought my freedom food to the party. I made these uh, lovely uh, tender um, 
grain-free beef tacos, and basically the taco shell was a red cabbage leaf uh, instead of something made out of corn or flour. And then I also made uh, stuffed mushrooms. And uh, they were well-received. Everybody enjoyed them. The stuffed mushrooms simply disappeared. And it worked really well. And when I was at the party, one of the things that was fascinating is we were there for more than two hours, and I didn't have a single bite of food. And the reason why is because I didn't want any. This was an evening party. I had had my food for the day. We arrived at the party. I was full. I was satisfied. I had my Dr. Zevia, which is a, it's kind of a, a version of Dr. Pepper but made with stevia and no artificial colors. And I just simply had a wonderful time talking to people, making new friends, and having a lovely time. And there was absolutely no effort involved. It was effortless. And the reason it was effortless is because I wasn't hungry. And my clients and readers and I have discussed this. Um, Many of my clients and readers who have gotten off of sugar and grains report the same thing. They can be in a situation where Uh, processed or dessert foods, traditional dessert foods are being served, and there is simply no desire to touch them. Absolutely astonishing, so freeing, and so exciting, and a great way to live, especially if you're like me and you've already started to suffer some of the effects of peripheral neuropathy, which is one of of the uh, drawbacks that happens from a life of compulsive overeating of sugar and the foods that break down to sugar. But there is another group of people, and these are people who are normal and healthy and who are not addicted to sugar or food and don't have a history of binging or overeating. If this is you, and this is the case with you, and very often what I'll see among the people I work with is a a woman who is, she's turned 35, and for the first time in her life she has started to put on fat and can no longer take it off simply by reducing how much she eats and increasing how much she moves. So very often the the people I work with are in this situation where diet and exercise always worked before, but after age 35, for some reason, traditional diet and traditional exercise stop working. So instead of being able to just reduce your portions and maybe take a cardio class, you need to step up your technique and instead remove some of the sugar from your diet or you know all of the added sugar from your diet and start to do weightlifting, start to do resistance training, and then also do intervals instead. So in other words, that as we mature and our hormonal levels change, you need to use a different technique. Now, an individual like this who wasn't overweight before, who has become overweight, and who starts to do resistance training and starts to do interval training and starts to eat more of the real foods and eliminate the processed foods, for example, eliminating anything out of a bag or a box, very often this individual can do very well doing, doing what I call an occasion meal about every seven to eight days. And I don't call it a cheat meal because I, I really – I don't want you to have the sense that you're cheating, but the way that we used to eat things like cakes and candies and cookies is we used to eat them occasionally, and we used to eat cake at special occasions. So what I recommend to somebody who is not a sugar addict and who isn't addicted to food is that to go back to the way we used to eat and only eat sugar and flour on special occasions. 
And that's why I call them, I don't call them cheat meals, I call them occasion meals. And an occasion meal needs to be planned, it needs to be structured, that you say either it's date night or it's a wedding or it's a birthday party. You make a plan, you have a structure, and then you don't waste occasions on on junky food. So you're certainly not going to go and eat stale cookies on your occasion meal. Um, If anything, I would recommend, and I'll make a shout-out to my friend Jill who creates Blue Star Cookies. I mean, if, if I wasn't a sugar addict and if I was going to have an occasion treat, then I would certainly go out and have the very best. So this is when you would... Go and definitely, I to me, if I was going to eat a treat, which I'm not because one day at a time I'm sugar freedom woman, but if I was going to have an occasion treat, I would get something, you know, artisanal from my hometown, and I would take, I would take my dollars that I'm going to spend on a fine meal or on. Uh, on a fine dish, and I would go out and give that money to somebody who is an artisan and who's going to make the finest cookie, the, the finest cupcake, the finest meal possible. And so if you are fortunate enough not to be addicted and not to react addic- addictively to sugar or grains, then I would say on that occasion meal you go out and you get the best, support your community, support the people in your community who are making fantastic food, Go support them. So that is how I would suggest handling whether you have the occasional sugar or grain-made dish. Now, another development in that area is how often. And one of the things that I have discovered working with my clients and readers is if you're under 50, probably you can do this about every seven days, so about once a week. But as we get beyond 50, if you're like getting beyond 50 like me, what, what I have found Um, in my research and in my experience, is that the farther we get past our reproductive years, deeper into menopause and on down the road, that these occasional days may need to be separated more, whereas you might do an occasional meal every 10 days or every two weeks. And so much of it depends on your goals. For example, I have the pleasure of being back acting, singing, and dancing as a performer again. And what I have found is that if I eat sugar and grains, I find an immediate impact on my joints. I have swelling in my fingers. And so it literally, it literally makes it harder for me to perform my work if I eat outside of my freedom foods. So if, you, if you're in a situation where you rely on your body in order to be good at your career, you may want to think very strongly about leaving out some of the occasional foods, especially if they have a ne- negative in- impact on what you do. I like to think in terms in both nutrition and fitness for creating the body you need for the life you want. For example, if I wanted to be a, a ballerina in a classical ballet company, I would need a different body than if I want to be a dancer in musical theater. So where I am right now, my abilities, my weight, my strengths, my body fat percentage, my skills are perfectly appropriate for working as a leading lady or a comedic character actress in the musical theater. However, my current level of leanness and skill would not be appropriate for being 
a ballerina even in the corps de ballet of a ballet company. So, so do you see the distinction? So, so much of how far you have to go with your nutrition and your fitness depends on what your body needs to be able to do for you. And, you know, I want you to have a body that's going to give you freedom and confidence and the energy to go out and live the life you want to live. However, unless you're specifically in a field where you have to be ultra lean, for example, if you're a fashion model or if you're working on film and television, I, I don't really see the point in causing yourself to suffer if it isn't necessary. And I do believe that there is a difference between the body, the body that signifies health and the body that signifies status in terms of the media today you're going to be healthy at a particular body fat percentage. But in order to get that quote-unquote status body, which is you know, the kind of body that might be walking down the runway in designer clothes, that's going to be a different level of leanness, which for you and me may not be necessary. And in all honesty, if you are someone, for example, who wants to go into uh, a bodybuilding competition or somebody who wants to go out and out to Hollywood and uh, make it in show business, you might need lower body fat percentage. You might have different goals, and you might need to seek a coach and nutritionist who can help you to reach those goals because those coaches and nutritionists are out there. That is not my area of expertise or specialty, but there are plenty of people out there who can train you and teach you how to get down to very low body fat percentages, uh, for example, down to you know even 17% or even a bit lower if you are going into a bodybuilding or a figure or a bikini competition. That isn't what I do, but those techniques are out there. And you know if that is your dream, then yes, you should go and seek a coach who's going to help you that help you with that. So there you have it for today. The answer to the question, when it comes to sugar, can I cheat? And I hope that that answer is helpful for you today. So the answer is, if you're not a sugar addict, yes, I do think that you can have that occasional treat, have that special occasion meal. However, if you're like me and you react addictively and compulsively to eating sugar and grains, every day you leave them out and every day you get beyond them, the cravings get smaller and the lifestyle gets easier. So if you want to know how to get off of sugar, and if you want a program to get you off of sugar, just go to sugarfreedom.com, and you can get the Sugar Freedom program. So until our next Freedom Friday, I'm Catherine Gordon for Sugar, Fri- <laughs> for sugar Freedom. Have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.